0: Ah, great. It was wonderful to be up with you this morning. As we are completing our sermon series on prayer called Heavenward. I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed. I have so benefited from the last two weeks. Ah, it's fed my soul. May today's sermon do likewise for you and for me. The title of our sermon this morning is Imperfect Prayer. Perfect peace. And our text this morning is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Let us hear the word of God to us this morning, church. Starting with verse 6 of Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. O oh Lord. This text that was just read, oh Lord, for many of us, it is a familiar text. It is a well-worn path. Lord, this text has been a comfort to saints down to the generations. But Lord, I ask this morning, these words would be functioning in our lives. For Lord, I believe these words, the truth contained in these words have the power this morning to pull us out of the deepest ditch, to rescue us from the mire and muck of sin, anxiety, and depression. Lord, to set us on your wings that we may fly, that we may fly heavenward this morning. So, Lord, we ask, word of God, speak. Holy Spirit, illuminate these words this morning that we may believe. Amen. Amen. Well, after Denise's write-up several weeks ago about the most interesting pastor in the world, I thought it was time for a little truthful disclosure. Uh, There is one thing that I have feared most of my life. It's not wild beasts. It's not cliffs. It's not storms. It's not earthquakes. It's not being lost at sea. It's not poverty. It's not the threat of imprisonment. It's not physical violence. I've encountered most all of that, as Denise reminded me of several weeks ago. No, it's none of these. You know what it is? It's public speaking. (laughs) Probably nothing has caused me more anxiety than the notion of speaking before a group of people. You know what? To be up here, it's really scary. At times, that is being the center of attention. Growing up, there was one thing that could keep me awake at night and give me nightmares. It was the dread of speaking before my classmates, of giving an oral report. I'm I'm not just talking about elementary school. I'm talking about college as well. In fact, in college, I successfully avoided every professor in my department that required oral presentations to be given. (laughs) And I did it on purpose. I graduated according to my memory without having given one graded oral exam. Oh, I can write. Just don't ask me to speak. Articulation has always been a problem. And so is my pride. Not a good combo for a pastor, is it? <laughs> but as much as I've wanted to be rid of such anxiety, nothing, nothing has taught me to pray more than my very sin and weakness, than my fear of man, especially when it comes to speaking. Nothing has driven me to my knees and more Desperation, independence, and my own anxiety, my own sin, my own weakness, yes, my own lack. The church, oh, there is wonderful news this morning. God has given us the antidote to anxiety. It's called prayer. And it's prayer which accesses the promised peace of God. See, prayer is not only the prescription to your anxiety, but your anxiety may be the very means that God uses to teach you how to pray. I'm talking about messy prayers. I'm talking about not-so-eloquent prayers. I'm talking about real, authentic prayers to our Heavenly Father. Remember the popular song by Bobby McFerrin? Don't worry, be happy. Well, I'm going to rephrase that this morning according to our text. Don't be anxious, but ask. Doesn't that quite the ring? But work with me here, okay? Don't be anxious, but ask. That is my proposition this morning. But it's also a command from Scripture. And it's a command with a promise that you may experience the perfect peace of God. So let's look again at our text, starting with verse 6, that very first part, 6a. Do not be anxious about anything. To quote Robert D. Jones in his excellent article, Getting to the Heart of Your Worry. Quote, Perhaps no single problem plagues people more than worry or anxiety. It may arise suddenly. It may accompany you. Daily, it saps your sleep, drains your joy, exhausts your energy, ruins your relationships, and aggravates your body ailments. For some people, worry is chronic and crippling. For all of us, worry is one of the most typical everyday sin- sins. We worry. We worry about our finances. We worry about our health. We worry about our children. We worry about the weather. We worry about what to wear. We worry about getting a parking spot or getting that seat. You name it, we worry about it. From the monumental to the mundane. But may I venture to say that do not be anxious is the most neglected command in the Bible. And thus, worry is one of the most acceptable sins I believe in the church today. Why? Because it's so typical. It is so common. And it was no different for the Philippians. They apparently had anxiety issues too. For all the commendation they received from Paul in this letter, they too shared the same temptation toward anxiety as we do. Anxiety that was apparently threatening to rob them of joy and peace, both personally and corporately as well at the church. Backing up in our text in Philippians 4, we read in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Just to make the point clear that it wasn't missed, Paul repeats himself twice. Rejoice. Whatever the situation, Paul is saying, Rejoice. In the Lord, always let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. In other words, get the Lord God in the game. Paul is saying, get him into your world. Get him into that very situation that tempts you to be joyless and to be anxious. And then we arrive at verse 6. Do not be anxious about Anything. Anything. Actually, this verse reads, in the original language, literally, In nothing, be anxious. In nothing. Nada. Zip. Zilch. zero, Nothing. Nothing. In other words, there, church is no excuse for anxiety. There are no loopholes. Why? Because anxiety is a sin. It's a crippling sin. And at its root is the bitter fruit of unbelief. Unbelief. Listen to Christ's word in his great discourse on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 30 through 33. I'll just read it to you. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, Did you catch that phrase? O oh, you of little faith, do not be anxious. Do you see it, church? Anxiety problems are ultimately faith problems. The sin of unbelief. Well, Corey, faith in what? Faith in whom? Faith in God. Faith in God's promise, provision, faith in God's future grace to provide all that you need when you will need it in Christ Jesus. Left to ourselves, we are worry machines. We're like a jukebox. Put in a quarter, mention a topic, and we'll sing a song of woe, a song of worry, a tale of unbelief. But this morning... God wants to give you a new song, a song of prayer. You see, God never commands you to do something for which he does not give you the grace to do or to obey. Including this command, do not be anxious about anything. To quote a familiar, wonderful verse, 1 Corinthians 10.13, we read, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Church, do you want to know the way out? Do you want to know the grace? Do you want to know the way of escape for worry and unbelief? It's prayer. Prayer is the God-given alternative and antidote to anxiety. Say that again. Prayer is the God-given alternative and antidote to anxiety. We battle anxiety with prayer. But how does this all work? Help me out, Corey. Well, number one, prayer is preemptive. That is, I pray... So, I don't get anxious. That's certainly an implication, an application of this text. I draw near to God in prayer, and I have my soul satisfied in Him. And I don't worry. That's the aim, okay? That's maturity. But prayer is also reactive, it's also responsive. And I venture to say, This is how it works in most of our lives, including myself. It's anxiety that triggers prayer in me. In other words, it's the very response to the very anxiety or pressure I'm encountering that leads me to pray. It's the stress and the mess that leads me to pray in my weakness. Anxiety is like that check engine light that's been on our many Van dashboard for about two years now, okay? Anxiety is the text message that I often get on my iPhone when I wake up, alerting me that my bank account balance is below the prescribed levels, okay? <laughs> Church, heed the dashboard lights. Do not ignore the text. Don't waste your anxiety in sin and unbelief. Rather, let it lead you to God. Don't be anxious, but ask. This is where the text is driving and leading us to. Point two. Number one, don't be anxious. Point two, but ask. Paul says it this way in verse six, the second part of verse six. Let your request be made known to God. You see, just as don't be anxious about anything is a command this too is a command it's a command not a suggestion let your request be made known to god well how do we let a request be made known to god backing up in the same verse verse 6 but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving by prayer In supplication, that's how we let a request be known to God. This is often a coupling in Scripture. Prayer, supplication. Supplication is really the narrower term. It's focusing on on the kind of prayer we're to offer. Namely, asking. Supplication. Asking for help. Well, what are we supposed to pray about? Or ask for then? Well, first of all, It may be forgiveness. Confess your anxieties, your unbelief. In God's goodness and grace, that may be a great place to start to confess where unbelief has been operating. Number two, it may be confessing your anxiety and asking that he would help you to trust him. Yes. But church, the question itself, what are we supposed to pray about? Betrays a very lack of understanding about prayer. Let me explain. It's not so much a matter of what we're supposed to pray about, but it's a matter of praying what we're already thinking. It's a matter of talking. Prayer is relationship. Oh, we all have requests. See, we're not commanded to come up with prayer requests. There's an assumption here. We already have them. Let them be made known to God. Do you see it? Convert your anxieties to fruitful prayer. You see, verse 6 implies that we're to pray about that which concerns us. Whatever may tempt you to anxiety or to worry. If you're here and you have needs, you have burdens, you have concerns, you have anxieties, you already know how to pray. Church, don't waste your anxieties. God is saying, talk to me. Really? Anything? About anything? Yes, in everything. Point two, but ask. A, ask in everything. Notice this all-important prepositional phrase. It too is part of the command. In fact, it leads the way. But in everything, got that? In everything, let your request be made known to God. In the monumental as well as mundane. The anything that concerns you is the everything that we're to pray for. Catch that? The anything that concerns you, anything that concerns you is the everything that we're to pray for. This is called a relationship. You, you, You mean I can like pray that it doesn't rain? for my child's baseball game or outdoor birthday party? Does it concern you? Pray. It's a relationship. Pray. He'll sort out the rest, the motives and all that. Pray. It's a relationship. To do anything less lacks authenticity. It lacks reality in our prayer life. God already knows your thoughts, desires, and burdens. He wants you to talk to Him about them. Not because He doesn't know them, but because he is our heavenly father, and this is a relationship. But that begs a question, at least in my life. Why don't I do this more? Why don't I ask? One reason may be self-sufficiency. If supplication is asking for help, I'm not really convinced I need much help. It's just a part of a constellation of sins under the banner of pride. But there's another reason why we don't convert our needs and concerns into prayer. And I think it usually comes back to this. It comes back to the heart of worry. Yeah, it's unbelief. It may be that we're ignorant of prayer. But more often than not, we as Christians, we're just not totally convinced that God really means what he says regarding prayer. When he says, ask. I'll admit, when I read Christ's words in the Gospels, I sometimes feel a little uneasy with Christ's unabashed invitations to ask. Like when Christ says in John 14, verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That my Father, the Father, may be glorified in the Son. Parenthetical note, just in case you didn't get it. Next verse. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. No less than six times does Christ say, Ask, and I will give it to you. Including Luke 11, which Jose spoke on a couple weeks ago. Well, is Christ serious? I mean, where's the qualifiers? Give me the fine print. You know what? Christ seldom felt the obliged to give us the fine print. And neither does Paul. Look, aren't we to ask according to God's will? Aren't we to ask to glorify His name? Aren't we to ask abiding in Him? Yes. But here's the point. Prayer is not a formula. It's not about getting the prayer right, just right. But, 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 what if my motives aren't pure? I got a secret. If you wait until your motives are pure, you'll never pray. <laughs> but what if I ask something that's well, not according to God's will? I got another secret for you. You're never going to know God's will completely. That is his secret will. Well, can I pray about maybe buying that house? I don't know if God wants me to have that house. Neither do I. Is it a concern to you? Pray, ask. God through Christ is saying, ask. "Ask, ask, ask." I love how Paul Miller puts it in his book, "The Praying Life." The quote's up there on the screen. Jesus isn't just the Savior of my life. He's the Savior of my prayers. Asking in Jesus' name isn't something I have to get right so my prayers are perfect. It is one more gift of God because my prayers are so imperfect. Oh, that is good news. Church, come to the one who directs and perfects our prayers. As Christians, as God's children, our prayer through Jesus enjoys the same acceptance as Christ's prayer. (laughs) Do you believe that? Jesus has justified our prayer. We can come to Him with confidence in prayer. Our confidence is not that our prayers are just right or perfect, but that Christ, our Savior and Mediator, is perfect. Thus, our prayers in Jesus' name are heard by God. Well, I don't know. Maybe at this point here, okay, I, I want to believe that, but I'm still feeling a little uncomfortable here. I mean, does that mean I can just go and ask God for a billion dollars and he'll give it to me, name it, and claim it? Oh, church, don't miss this. The Father won't just give us anything we want. He will give us even better. He will give us Even better. Remember Jose's message two weeks ago from Luke 11. Quoting from Luke 11, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of fish, give him a serpent? Or in verse 12, give him a scorpion? He won't. Well, the converse is true as well. We were discussing this in our home group this past Wednesday. If we ask for a serpent or a scorpion, our Heavenly Father won't give it to you because He's committed to giving you something better. Follow me on this one. Here, the Word of God, James 4, verses 2 and 3. James says it this way. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James 4, that passage is not just rebuke. May it be a comfort to us as well in our very imperfect prayers as we were discussing this in a home group on Wednesday, and we got to this point, someone in our home group ecstatically said, that's cool! That's way cool! Do you see the freedom in it? Go ahead and ask. God will perfect and correct your prayers in Christ Jesus. And he will refine your and my motives in the process. You see, to ask forces you and me to do something. It forces me and you to look at the fine print. Christ's invitation to pray. Well, am I abiding in Christ? Am I desiring God's glory in this prayer? Am I praying according to His revealed will, Scripture? See, it's through prayer that God matures us. It's through prayer that God reveals our hearts Motives. It's to pray that God deepens our relationship with him as his children. Then we must pray. We must ask. It's what children <coughs> do. Dad, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? Dad, can I buy that airsoft gun? I want to blow someone up. Dad, I'm bored. Can I go play with my friends?" It's natural for any young child to ask a loving, benevolent father. But you know what? Something can happen. Can it? Unbelief, cynicism can creep in, and it's poisonous. Last week, I heard some shuffling outside our bedroom door. I could hear one of my children saying to the other in the hallway, No! I don't want to ask, Dad! I'm afraid to. (laughs) Guys, that broke my heart. Perhaps you have stopped asking, your Heavenly Father. Not because he's harsh, as I am sometimes my children, but because you're afraid to hear the answer no, as my child was on that day. The reality is, we can get gun-shy, can't we? We can grow cynical when it comes to our prayers, when it comes to our asking. You see, despite all the invitations to ask, we can begin to doubt. See, we begin to doubt not just God's ability or willingness to answer our prayer, but we can doubt His goodness and grace in the answer that He gives. You see, the same unbelief about God's goodness and grace, which operates in our anxiety, is the very same unbelief that can stamp out our very prayers. Thus we read this important little phrase also found in verse 6. We're to pray by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. We're to ask in everything and with thanksgiving. You see, nothing undercuts a cynical attitude or unbelief in our prayer life more than thankfulness. One Cuban Cuban blogger wrote this of his generation. Unlike our parents, we never believed in anything. Our defining characteristic is cynicism. But that's a double-edged sword it protects you from crushing disappointments but it paralyzes you from doing anything may i add it paralyzes you from asking anything of our heavenly father as well have you given in to such unbelief in your own life when it comes to prayer I've asked. It doesn't work. I don't want to bear my heart one more time in prayer and ask again, only to feel the sting of silence. I don't want to set myself up for failure to hear no once again. Have you ever had those thoughts? Oh, I have. I've been there. And I'm there. Too often. Several months ago, I had a little date with my mom, which we do on occasion. We enjoyed a meal together and then went shopping. Near the end of our time together, my mom looked down at her arthritic fingers and noticed that her sterling silver ring was gone. This is an unusual and expensive ring that is designed for her fingers, to keep her fingers, her joints, her tendons, in place. And she gasped when she saw that naked finger. And I felt awful. It had been a wonderful afternoon with my mother. I thought, man, what a way to conclude. I mean, we had been to several stores, and we were now standing in a huge department store. So to search for the ring felt like, finding, attempting to find a needle in a haystack. I thought of praying, though. I thought of praying out loud at that moment with my mom. But then I had this thought. (laughs) What if God doesn't answer our prayer and allow us to find the ring? And then I I had this thought. I'm a pastor and all. It would be kind of embarrassing (laughs) if God doesn't answer the prayer. I'm embarrassed saying that. I actually had that thought. This is my mom. I'm a pastor. I'm going to pray. He's not going to answer. What's going on? God, that is embarrassing. But even more than that, I thought, well, if we pray and we don't find it, it would just set us up for more disappointment. I mean, I've lost how many contacts in my life you know, I like never find them. They're down the sink. They're gone. I'm thinking, here we go again. I pray and then get our hopes up and, you know, I look at, I don't know. I guess we can't, you know. I, I didn't want to go through it. It was too vulnerable. So my mom wasn't around. I said a little murmur, a little sideways prayer. Oh, Lord, help uh, me find the ring. <laughs> you, know? Sure, I kinda, you know, just kind of, you know, just kind of like, i just kind of get it out there. There you go. I said it all by myself. At least I said something, I guess, you know? But, see, it it was a murmur. It was a murmur that protected me from crushing disappointment. About 30 minutes later, when we had all but given up, yeah, I happened to look down before finally leaving the department store. You guessed it. There was the ring underneath a rack of clothes right in front of my feet. That day, God received the glory. But I also received God's gentle and loving rebuke. Why didn't I ask boldly? It's true. I had no guarantee from God that he would find, that we would find the ring. But you see, in not asking boldly, I was withholding part of myself from God. See, I I had lost sight of the relationship. I had lost sight of his grace. You know what I was doing? I was looking at probability. Been there before, didn't find it. Mom had lost the ring before, didn't find it. Probability says, ain't gonna happen. See, instead of looking to probability, I should have been looking to a person. That person is Christ who perfects my prayers and commands me to pray. So when we lose sight, how do we combat this timidity? How do we combat this unbelief? This unbelief in God's goodness and God's grace. We pray and we pray with thanksgiving. You see, thanksgiving to God acts like Windshield wipers on the window of our car. Why? So we can see out of the car. Windshield wipers exist to clear away the rain, the muck, and the mud. Everything that obstructs our view of God. You see, Thanksgiving allows us to see God for who He is. To be reminded And our minds renewed regarding God as our gracious Heavenly Father who beckons us to come and to ask. Thanksgiving reminds us of who God is. His grace that has been there and will be there for every need. What are the hallmarks of the Apostle Paul and his epistles, his letters? Or is this Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving and joy. That's especially apparent in this book. The book of Philippians we've read from. How could Paul say, do not be anxious about anything? Church, we tend to forget Paul was writing this from prison. From prison. He had plenty of reason to doubt. Did he not? Things were not going swimmingly for the Apostle Paul when he wrote this. In the churches, read the epistle. There's a lot going on. And it ain't pretty. And he's in prison. Oh, but Paul had his windshield wipers working. He had that new unibody windshield wiper that I I just purchased, man, wiping away every drop that he could see God in all his glory and grace. You see, Paul's eyes were trained to see God at work. His eyes were trained to see grace and to anticipate it. He saw it in the Philippians. He even saw God's grace in his very imprisonment. Read the epistle. That's what Thanksgiving does. And that's our command. And what's the result of praying and everything with Thanksgiving? It positions us to receive. To receive his peace, no matter what the outcome. Whether or not that ring is found, that relationship is restored that treasure is to be had, or that healing is to be experienced. Oh, church, don't be anxious, but ask. Ask in everything. Ask with thanksgiving. And thirdly, why? That you may experience his peace. Oh, a peace which surpasses understanding. Not a peace based on prayers that are answered exactly according to my wishes. Not even a peace based on prayers that make logical sense to me. They usually don't. No, a peace that transcends our finite, limited understanding. A peace that is supernatural. A peace. How can we have peace? Salud is here. When your child is laying limp, and unconscious, having gone into anaphylactic shock, needing to transport him via ambulance to Miami Children's Hospital. How can you have peace? Well, I'm thankful to say the villages are doing well. So is Chuchi. Oh, praise God. How can they have peace? How can you have peace when your home is broken into and your valuables your precious Bibles, even jewelry, are stolen. As happened to Matt and Roxanne not too long ago. They too, hearing from them via email, are doing well. How can you have peace? You tell me, Corey, you can have peace in the situation? I'm saying yes. I'm not saying it's always immediate when it happens. Prayer isn't just some magical formula. Oh, God, my child's dying. Please help. Boom, no peace. That that may happen. That's not how it usually happens for me because it's not a formula. Prayer is a relationship. I'm praying. I'm abiding in my Savior. I'm pouring out my heart to Him. And He gives me His peace. You say, well, I do that. I don't feel any peace. Well, I mean, you're still anxious. So what I do? I keep praying. Do not be anxious, but pray. So I pray. I pray. And I pray until I pray. And I abide in Him. And God begins to minister to me through his word. Do you see how it works? To give you that peace. A peace which surpasses understanding of your context and situation and be a peace which guards our heart and mind. The peace that guarded Paul in prison. It's the same peace that can guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that protects, that protects us, excuse me, protects us from our thoughts that can lead us to fear, to doubt, to disillusionment when we are tempted. Tempted to ask, what if that happens again? How will I make it? As a number of you know, as a family, we've been praying to adopt a child for many years. Cindy and I, we've been asking God to adopt A certain girl, a specific girl, whom we've been praying for for six months. We've done the paperwork. We've done it twice. We've done it three times over. We've worked hard. We've spent much money. Oh, we have prayed. This week, we received the answer to our prayer from our adoption agency. And the answer was, no. We're not going to receive the girl we have long prayed for. Are we disappointed? Yes. Do we understand completely? No. Oh, but this we do know our prayers have not been in vain. And I can stand up here this morning and tell you there is a perfect peace. I'm just not saying that there is in our household, amongst the I, even the children. There is a peace. That surpasses knowledge. There is a peace that is supernatural. It is from Christ Himself, because He will perfect our prayers. Oh, it's a peace rooted in Christ Jesus. It's a peace in our hearts that allows us to pray and to ask with confidence. The words of Romans 8:32. What shall we say to these things? These things, meaning all our anxieties, our worries, our concerns, our burdens, back to the text. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's not a rhetorical question. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, will graciously give us all things we need in Christ Jesus. Jesus. He will not withhold, and he will not withhold his peace. Will you ask? Will you? Church, let's come to the one. Come to the one who directs and perfects our prayers. Come with your requests. Come with your worries. Come with your fears. Come with your anxieties. Come with your mess. Come with your stress. Come and ask you know what I experience that peace and that truth afresh every time I come up here and talk to you all now as a pastor as one who speaks before you all and I look forward to it every time that is God's grace church I know not of Perfect prayers. I've never uttered one, but I know the one who perfects my prayers and bids me to come. Come, ask, ask boldly, and receive his perfect peace today. Let's pray. But, dear Heavenly Father, I love those words. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning once again as your children. We come asking in Christ's name. Oh, Father, give us the boldness to ask. You know the worries and the concerns and the burdens of our heart. So, Father, even now, even now as we sing, we give them to you. We cast our anxieties upon you. We give them to you. And we give them to you with thanksgiving. And we ask, Lord, that you remove those very anxieties today, that you would deal with our hearts, that we may trust you. And we ask that we receive the gift of your perfect peace. So Lord, we come to you, we come messy, we come stressed, we come in the mess, and we offer up to you our very imperfect prayers. But Lord, take those prayers as we utter them even now, and perfect them, and answer them for our good, and for your glory we pray. Amen.